There's a book that if you haven't read, I recommend for you to read by C.S. Lewis called The Problem of Pain. In that book, he tells us that evil always manifests itself in suffering and in pain. It is pain and suffering actually that cause us to ask why. Why doesn't God just snap his fingers and evil would disappear? All of suffering would disappear. All of the pain would disappear. The good news is that he will one day, and maybe sooner than you think. You see, those who see pain and suffering, as C.S. Lewis puts it, as God's megaphone of speaking to the believers, they not only will see pain and suffering as God's stepping stones for their good, but they will persevere because they know that one day God will click His fingers and pain and suffering will disappear. They keep on trusting God in spite of the question marks, in spite of the difficult circumstances, because they know that all of the pain and all of the suffering is but for a moment. But that same megaphone that God uses to speak to believers through their pain and through their suffering, that same megaphone causes non-believers to rebel against God and to reject God and, and reject that megaphone. And they question the goodness of God, and the love of God. But the question that a lot of people are asking is this. What is the origin of evil? Where did it come from? That's a question I'm going to try to answer. From these Scripture, both Old and New Testament, we know several facts about evil and the evil one. His name was Lucifer, from which we get the word Lucifite, meaning the light-bearer or the shining one. He was among the highest ranking in the angelic hierarchy, in the angelic beings. God is the one who gave him lots of power and lots of authority. The only thing that God did not delegate to Lucifer is his own throne. No one can sit on the throne of God except God Himself. You see, God created Lucifer as one of His principal servants, angelic beings. Lucifer was the seal of perfection. He was filled with wisdom and beauty. You see, Lucifer being a created being, he's not perfect. Not perfect as God is perfect. He reflected the perfection of God. He was not the source of light. He reflected the light of God. He was a mirror, not the source of light. Light never originated with him. Light originated only in God. He merely reflected that light. He was over some of the angelic being, had authority over them. He was a senior angel, if you like. He was right up there with Michael and Gabriel. He was among the highest level in the heavenly hierarchy. He was privileged to voice praise to God. He was privileged to voice and bring worship to God. He was privileged to look upon the glory of God, something Moses could not do. Now, tuck this information 
under the belt in your brain, in your mind, okay? Because I'm going to come back to it because it really is a foundational information. Tuck it away. It's going to help you to understand why he is the most dangerous adversary that a believer has, especially if a believer tried to venture without Jesus. And they got a business for themselves, and they think they're strong, they think they can do things. Now, I want to explain this to you from a, a human perspective. I want you to imagine a person who's number two in the CIA, and that number two guy in the CIA defects to the enemy. Think about this. He defects to the enemy's camp. He knows all of the protocol. <laughs> he knows the secret codes. He knows all of the old contacts. Now, do you understand why the Apostle Paul could say in 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen and 14, he could say, for such are false apostles. He's talking about false preachers. He said, for such are false apostles, deceitful workmen. They're working in the church. They're workmen. He said, deceitful workmen. They are masquerading as an apostles of Christ. And no wonder, he said, for Satan himself masquerade as an angel of light. Satan knows exactly how to appear as an angel of light. That's why he's taken too many pulpits in America today. If you have not read my book, Know You're Really Enemy, I recommend you to read it. It will help you. But I want you to remember this. Satan, who is the source of evil, was created by God. Don't forget that. He was created by God. Just like Adam and Eve were created by God. And God created Satan, or Lucifer at the time, to worship the Creator. He created him to praise the Creator. He created him to adore the Creator. But there's more. God delegated to him some executive authorities. <laughs> he assigned some of the angelic beings to him to be under his authority, to serve God's purpose throughout the universe. One-third of the angelic beings were under his authority. You say, how many of these? We don't know. Even when kids talk about zillions, <laughs> zillions wouldn't even do a justice to it. In Ephesians 6.12, it tells us that there are numerous ranks and classes and grades of these angelic beings. Again, in human terms, Lucifer was a top executive assistant to God, if you like. <laughs> he was acting as an intermediary. He was a middleman, if you like. He would gather worship and bring it to the throne of God. But being a middleman is never easy. Being a middleman is probably the hardest job in the whole world. <laughs> uh, it requires humility. It requires supernatural maturity. It requires supernatural loyalty. Why? Because the closer you get to the top, <laughs> the more ambitious you are want to take over the top job. But in this case, the gulf between the Creator and the creature is unbridgeable. The gap between the Creator and the creature is impassable. And yet, Isaiah 14, 13, and 14 tells us, 
that that's exactly what happened. Lucifer, pride entered into his heart, pride and arrogance. He wanted to unseat God and take his place and his throne. Five times in those two verses, five times, he said, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. I will ascend. I'll exalt myself. I'll sit on top. I will ascend to the highest. I will be like the most high God. What happened to Lucifer? He became proud of his beauty. He became proud of his intellect. He became proud of his capacity. He became proud of his attainments. And he ceased to recognize, listen careful, believers, he ceased to recognize that everything he has was given to him by God. And he wanted to be worshipped instead of worshipping God. And that is why God threw him out of the heavens. He did. Jesus, who coexisted with the Father before all worlds, in the Godhead, one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Jesus, for whom and through whom the world was created, He said in Luke chapter 10, verse 18, I saw Satan when he was thrown out of heaven. I saw Satan fall from heaven like a lightning, he said. Now back to the question, and I want you to answer me, okay? Did God know from the beginning that pride is going to capture Lucifer's heart? God is omniscient, meaning that he knows everything ahead of time. Now I'm going to ask you a second question. If God knew that Satan or Lucifer was going to rebel against him and fall, could he have stopped him? Because God is omnipotent, meaning that he can do anything. Uh, Now I know the third question is in the mind of many of you. Because I know I asked it myself at some time. If God knew that Lucifer was going to rebel, if God could have stopped him, why didn't he? Now, on the face of it, had God stopped Lucifer from rebelling against him, he could have saved a whole lot of trouble. (laughs) Not just for us, but also for God as well. Right? Because that rebellion cost him the blood of his son Jesus on the cross. So what is the answer? The closest answer that we can come to in this life, until we go to heaven and see it clearly, the closest we come to, whether angelic beings or human beings, the closest is that God placed an element of free will within His created beings. Otherwise, we'll become mechanical machines or robots or or, or we become puppets on strings or we become computer, just what puts in comes out. But listen to me. God wanted His created beings to freely love Him. He wanted His created beings to choose to love Him. God respected His created beings enough to place that element of free will 
inside of them. Now, here's a paradox the Scripture presents. is the sovereignty of God above all and the free will of man together. The Bible gives us both. The Bible wants us to hold both in tension. And the reason people fall in an error is when they elevate one above the other and they get into trouble and they fall into heresies. Beloved, my friends, listen to me. We must have the humility to accept this paradox. Now, here's a fact. Lucifer's sin of rebelling against God, of pride in his heart, is reproduced on a regular basis, not only in history, but today. It was reproduced when Adam and Eve listened to Satan's smooth talking that brought doubt to their mind about the authenticity of the Word of God. It was reproduced when Israel arrived into the Promised Land after all that God did for them, plagues over Egypt, protection of them, crossing the Red Sea, all of the stuff that God did for them. The moment they get into the Promised Land and they get blessed, they turn their backs on God. It was reproduced again by those proud Pharisees who refused to believe that Jesus is the Messiah that they've been waiting for. It is reproduced every single day when we see pastor after pastor after pastor decided to buy into the doubt about the inspiration and the infallibility of the Word of God. It is reproduced every single day. It is reproduced again and again when people seat themselves on the judge's bench and want to judge God instead of submitting to Him as the most perfect judge of all. You see, the evil, that evil that originated with Lucifer is being repeated every single day among many of professing Christians. How? By thinking more highly of themselves than they ought. Listen to Revelation 12, 9. The great dragon was heralded down, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was heralded to the earth and his angels with him. This is a third of the angelic being. How is he deceiving the whole world? Listen to me. First of all, he deceives himself. You see, he lied so much that he believes his own lie. And secondly, he deceives by never coming clean. That's why Paul said, of his devices, we're not ignorant. Sadly, many Christians are ignorant of Satan's devices. That's the sad part. If Satan would come out in the open and tell you that he's here to deceive you, none of us as believers will ever fall in temptation. If he came out and up front and he says, I am Satan. And by the way, he doesn't have those horns and pitchfork and all that stuff. Man, he is the guy that walked out of the GQ front page. He's smooth-talking, miserable operator. He's subtle. He's conniving. He's maneuvering. He's manipulative. He appeals to our lower nature. And above all, he appeals to our pride. Oh, that's his most favorite door. <laughs> Think of the person who says, I cannot believe in a loving God who allows evil and suffering and pain in the world. 
What is happening with that person? Satan has really worked him over, <laughs> just like he did it when he came to the, in the garden. He did not come out in the open and, and uh, out of nowhere to say, don't believe God, don't trust His Word, don't take Him at His Word. Eve would have kicked him out, seriously. She knew better than that, for she fellowshiped with God. She knew God. She knew what God said. In fact, when he tried to misquote God, she corrected him. She said, no, no, no. He said, of all the trees you can eat except for this one. (laughs) So this cunning creature began to choose his words very carefully. After he gained their trust, I'm going to come to that in a minute, did God really say that? Did you really hear God correctly? Did you really understand exactly what He meant by not eating of this God? I mean, did God really meant what you think He meant? Did God really say what you think He said He say? You see, his conniving, smooth-talking made it possible for Eve to debate the truth of God's Word in her head. (laughs) Be very careful, debating the truth of God's Word in your head. Now, let me tell you why is that. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, it says, "...the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals." You know what this is saying? It's saying that Satan really appear to be trustworthy. See, he just didn't come out of the blue and start talking to her. He's been there for a while. (laughs) And um, they began to trust him. And then he moved for the kill. Let me give you an illustration. A pastor who preached for 20 years, and when he started, he was preaching the truth, and boy, thousands of people flocked and became his fans. Thousands of people flocked to see him. Thousands of people began to hear them because they began to trust his words. They began to trust what he says. And slowly but surely, in a course of 20 years, he slowly but surely shifts his position all the way to saying that we can't really be certain if the Word of God is really the Word of God, if it's all inspired, if it's infallible or not. We can't really be sure if these stories are really true stories or not. So this person has been trusted by so many people. When they hear a slight shift in his position, every single day, shift, 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 like the frog in the kettle, temperature slowly rising, people in the pews saying, we just learned to trust him. We're fans. So they're listening to these untruths, and they're still sitting there. This is how Satan worked in the garden. He was prudent. He was smart. He gained their trust. They trusted in his wisdom, worldly wisdom. I mean, he gained their trust first before he really sucked it to them. (laughs) Today, there are deceivers who would say, oh, let's not just talk about the inspiration of the Scripture. Let's just not talk about… let's talk about equality. Let's not talk about these doctrinal foundations that you heard about a long time ago in your old church. (laughs) Let's rethink church. Rethink church. Rethink Christianity. Let's talk about discrimination. Let's talk about free choice, whether to kill a baby or not. What is Satan doing? 
He's getting us to exchange divine knowledge with human reasoning. He's getting us to exchange obedience to the Word of God for independence. He is getting us to exchange trusting in the authenticity of the Word of God for being accepted by people outside of the church. After all, you can't fill a big arena if you speak the truth bluntly. Satan's deception always appeared to have human logic on its side. Listen to me. What I'm going to tell you is really of uttermost importance. Don't miss it. Because if Satan manages to get you to debate biblical truth in your head, he knows he's about two-thirds of the way in. (laughs) And here's the truth. Eve was cooked before she looked at that fruit. If he gets you to debate the right and the wrong emotional entanglement with somebody else outside of marriage of a hus- one husband, one wife, if he gets you to debate the truth about monogamous marriage, he's two-thirds away the there. If he gets you to debate in your head the wrong and the right use of the gift of sexuality that God gave us outside of a monogamous marriage, he's two-thirds of the way there. The moment he gets you to debate in your head the fairness of biblical marriage, he's two-thirds of the way there. Why? Because these issues, beloved friends, have been settled in the Word of God long ago, and they don't need to be debated. They don't need to be debated. This is the origin of evil. And the evil one will present it in such deceptive way that people begin to question and doubt and debate the Word of God in their heads. There's something else that many believers have. You know that God has forgiven you, that all of your sins, past, present, and future, under the blood, but you're not able to forgive yourself. Do you know what that is? That's pride. It really is, and comes from the evil one. If God forgave you, who are you not to forgive yourself? That is the thing that he tries over and over and over to get you to debate things in your head, debate the truth. And he gets people so thoroughly confused. The Reverend Smell Fungus said that, and, and Reverend Superduck said that, and Reverend, well, you get so confused, you throw your hands up in the air and say, well, I don't know what the truth anymore. That's what he wants. How do you defeat him? How does a believer keep the enemy not only from attacking him, but keep him on the run? It's really very simple. The answer is found in the infallible inspired Word of God, not for me. (laughs) And it's in James chapter 4, verse 7. Let me read it to you as it ought to read. Submit yourself to God, and the devil will flee from you. Because the sentence construction, not only that those two things connected with each other, but they dependent on each other. Listen carefully. I'm going to go to close, because this is important. Successful resistance emanates from successful submission. What will make that old serpent of old run from you is complete trust in the goodness of God and His Word. 
is a complete trust in the plan of God for your life. <laughs> even in the tough times, even in the difficult times, even when you have question marks in your head, but you trust the Word of God. I conclude where I began with C.S. Lewis in his book, The Problem of Pain, for he explains that after all of the trusting in God, after all of the clinging to the Word of God, after all of the standing firm on the authority of the Word of God, after all of that, and you'll end up in heaven, and there you will say, and I quote, beyond all possibility of doubt, here at last is the thing I was made for. End of quote. Beloved, you're a believer in Jesus Christ. You put your faith in Him as your only Savior and Lord. You are made for heaven. You're made for heaven. You're made for heaven. Don't ever forget the Bible said, that the lake of fire that God has prepared, He has prepared it for Satan and his demons. And therefore, the only ones who are going to go there are the ones who have rejected the gift of God of eternal life and the plan of salvation. And if there's one single person here who might not have received that gift of eternal life and have never really understood what it means to stand behind Jesus Christ and have faith and, and complete trust in the power to defend you and to give you victory, today you can do that. Today you can do that. For those of you who know the Lord, who love the Lord, I want to tell you, stand firm. Stand firm. Father, how I thank you for your word. How I thank you for your truth. How I thank you that all of your promises, all of them are true. And I thank you that, Father, one day, with all of the stuff we're going through right now, is going to appear as nothing because we've trusted in you. Strengthen every single person here, Father. Remind us of your word and the promises so that we might continue to stand until that day. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.